You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. There is no doubt we face a profound economic challenge. We now need stability and unity. I pledge that I will serve you with integrity and humility. The most important objective for our country right now is stability. Governments cannot eliminate volatility in markets. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Coming up on today's programme, testing Rishi's mettle. It's Rishi Sunak's first full week in the job and already questions are mounting. And are we all on our phones too much? With Liz Truss's phone hacked and Suella Braverman sacked for using her personal email, we talk to Professor Anthony Glees from the University of Buckingham about how safe ministers' phones are. But first, spare a thought for all the headline writers out there. Weeks have been spent coming up with all those ideas about how Rishi Sunak has to avoid spooking the markets on Halloween, only, of course, for the big day, the fiscal announcement, actually to be pushed back. Having said that, it's not expected to be an easy week. I mean, already we may have... The first of a U-turn, Lizzie. Well, which U-turn are you referring to? <laughs> are we talking about Rishi Sunak under pressure to attend COP because Boris Johnson's going? I've just been stood outside the Bank of England. The uh, bank has been sprayed with orange paint by the Just Stop Oil protesters. And there's a bit of a reference to Rishi Sunak there as well. Or are you talking about Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary? Is he going to have to get rid of her just like Liz Truss had to get rid of Kwasi Kwarteng? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, pressure is mounting, certainly, that we know on Rishi Sunak. over the treatment in particular of migrants in Kent. So I want to start with a couple of thoughts around that issue. Senior Conservative MP Roger Gale was in Kent this morning visiting the Migrant Centre. I saw a kid there yesterday who was younger than my youngest granddaughter who crossed the channel in a rubber dinghy. It is appalling what is happening at that level. The trafficking is appalling and that has got to be dealt with as well. So that was uh, Roger Gale there, the Tory MP. Well, it's something that the Labour Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper was happy to agree on in terms of the conditions. She labelled it incompetence. At the heart of this is the Conservatives' failure to actually make the system work, to just take basic decisions in a fair and sensible way, and also to fail to work with France on how you uh, prevent the dangerous boat crossings in the first place. And now more than 100 charities are calling on the government to deal with the backlog of asylum claims. Sonia Skeets is one of them. 
We need our ministers to be turning their attention to the actual running of our asylum system, sorting out the backlog, moving people through the system. We know that 85% of those who are crossing the channel roughly are, are securing refugee status if their claims get looked at. So unified level, really, of condemnation around the migrant issue, which has returned, of course, Lizzie, because over the weekend we had this extremely warm weather, calm seas, and so many, many migrant boats are crossing uh, the channel, that dangerous crossing, uh, and pressure on Sunak really to sack Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, the only reappointed last week. I don't know how far that metaphor goes, hot air, but... Probably not calm waters in Westminster. No, absolutely not. Well, on that issue, let's bring in our editor of our economy and government coverage here in the UK. That's Alex Morales. Alex, great to see you again. I know you've had an immensely busy few weeks as third prime minister just this year. So thanks for sparing us some time to talk to us. But it does, you know, we've gone from crisis to crisis, from government to government. And November's looking absolutely hectic for Sunak. There's the migrant issue. There's COP27, as we've mentioned. That's before you even get to the Bank of England and the fiscal statement. There's just so much for him to deal with. I mean, yes, you're right. It's uh, it's certainly a, a busy outlook for, for Sunak, but he hasn't made... Um, the best of starts, he promised to bring in integrity in, into the government, and then his one of his first acts is to reappoint Suella Braverman, um, who who had just six days earlier admitted breaking ministerial rules. So he's under a lot of pressure about that, and um, as we saw, Suella Braverman's been under pressure about that initial breach of ministerial rules, but now this whole Dover thing is is seems to have exploded over the weekend as well. So how likely is it that she would go, and how close a comparison is it to Truss having to go? Get rid of quasi quarting because of course they were best pals in politics right well <laughs> how likely is it she'll go it's very hard to say um but but as we as we've seen this year <laughs> the difficulty for sunak is he brought braverman back into the cabinet because he needed to sort of show have this display of unity in the tory cabinet and she sort of represents the the, the right wing of the party um so it in one way, it's easy for him to get rid of her because she's not a natural ally and you know, he probably didn't want her in the cabinet in the first place, but he had to put her in to, for display of unity. But in another sense, it's difficult to sack her because, precisely because of that need for unity. Um, but that said, if, you know, if this drip drip of scandals come in, you would imagine he'll want to call an end to it and it's actually quite an easy thing to way to get rid of someone he'd never wanted in the cabinet in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes to the ERG then, I mean, how unified, how strong is Sunak at the moment in, in his position, uh, you know, with Jeremy Hunt? Well, I mean, you, you've seen the Tory party um, is pretty brutal in, in how it gets rid of leaders. They've got rid of two in this current parliament, including Boris Johnson, who, you know, for all his faults, won them a majority of 80 back in 2019. So you would think that no Tory prime minister is safe. That said, I I think a lot of Tories are, are, are sort of deeply unhappy at how at the turbulence that's been in in their party, and they don't want to get rid of another prime minister um, quite so soon because it, it'll destroy their re-election chances, um, which have, as as it is, fairly faint, looking fairly faint. I've got to wonder why they don't just let Suella Braverman go out and bat for herself. I mean, over the weekend you had the levelling up secretary Michael Gove having to defend Rishi Sunak's appointment of her, but why don't they just? let her speak for herself. 
Well, <laughs> well I'm not privy to the internal discussion, so I don't know who, who decides what. I suspect we'll see later on today, and it hasn't been confirmed, but I suspect there'll be an urgent question in the House of Commons about this immigration facility in Manston. Um, one, would, one would imagine that they want Suella Braverman to come and deliver the answers to that, um, but I would imagine you'll get a junior Home Office Minister who will probably be Robert Jenrick, who was at Manston yesterday with um, the MP who you had earlier, um, Rog Gale. Yeah. And what about this idea then also, I mean, just looking at the kind of turbulence issue that you mentioned, the idea that the government now has to apologise for some of the mistakes made in the past. That's been, you know, the suggestion in some of the reporting, like from, from Genwick and others, that there needs to sort of be an apology for the disastrous well, position of the government. Well, uh, I mean, if we're talking about the Manston issue in specific, um it's still unsure, uncertain whether the roots of the current problems lie under Braverman's tenure in the Home Office, um, and she was she was Home Secretary for I don't know six weeks, <laughs> or whether it was um, Pretty Patel before her. Um, Roger Gale, um, who we heard earlier said that he visited Manston in July and it was functioning as it should function back then. And then when he went again yesterday, um, he felt hugely depressed about the situation. So sometime between July and yesterday, things seem to have gone in the wrong direction. Now, the other potential U-turn, as we were discussing, would be on Rishi Sunak's attendance of COP. Uh, of course, Boris Johnson said that he's going. Now mm. we're wondering whether Rishi Sunak's going to backtrack. What's the latest? Do you think that he could actually change his mind and take his eye off the domestic economic crisis ball? Well, the Prime Minister himself said last week that he wasn't going to go because he had, had to um, concentrate on the depressing economic tasks ahead of him. Um, I th there have been some junior ministers since then sort of preparing the ground for a backtrack, suggesting that if he has time, he might go. Um, you know, if, if his schedule allows. Um, I actually think, uh, you know, I used to cover um, climate change before mm. this. On the Treasury, um, and I've been to 11 COPs. And so I think this is a slightly confected row in that normally... Um, Every five or six years, a particular COP gains a lot of importance mm. and you get a slew of world leaders going in. And Glasgow last year was one of those. Um, but the ones in between, you wouldn't normally get many world leaders going at all. You might get a few from neighbouring countries. The, the one reason why you, would, you might expect a UK Prime Minister to go is technically the UK is still the president of the yes. COP process until we hand over to Egypt on the first day of COP. So that's perhaps the one reason why Rishi Sunak would go but the COP president is Alok Sharma who's, who's the, who was the government minister and he, he will be going. Yeah, It's like having a birthday party and then not attending your friend's birthday party <laughs> but I mean how significant does it is it when in the in the round because of course one of Rishi Sunak's first acts as prime minister was to restore the fracking ban but as you say he's demoted two climate ministers Alok Sharma's not attending cabinet and is a question mark over whether he attends COP so given your green credentials where does Rishi Sunak stand? Well, so Sunak, when he was Chancellor, there were there were sort of always questions about his commitment to the net zero um, agenda. Mm. He's he's actually come out and I think he's he's committed to net zero by 2050, which is the UK's plan. So he's come out and supported that. Um, but he does have a patchy record. Um, if you remember, I don't know if you remember, but before COP 26 last year, which we were hosting, the UK was hosting, he um, almost on the eve of it, he reduced, um, he cut uh, taxes 
taxes on flying and on fuel, <laughs> which isn't a good si signal for a host country to be saying. So th there are sort of questions. But one of his first acts um, as prime minister now was to bring back the ban on fracking. So, you know, all those things weigh up. I mean, if he really wanted to say, send a message that he's, he's really for this agenda, he, he wants to go for net zero, then he probably should go to COP. Um, but again, as I said, you know, the precedents for going to these sort of uh, the four and five COPs that aren't actually of massive global importance, uh, I don't know whether a UK Prime Minister would normally go to that. Situation. Yeah, and just a reminder... This COP27 is from the 6th of November to the 18th of November. So obviously that goes over when the big fiscal statement is meant to come and it's taking place in Egypt, just by the by. Yeah, um, look, I think it's it's a kind of very interesting moment, isn't it, for Rishi Sunak under this amount of pressure. And he's just very briefly, he's had a bit of criticism already from the Bank of England, though about the, the date of the, the fiscal statement. Well, yeah, I mean, so the fiscal statement was or, uh, originally designed for, it's uh, supposed to be today. today. Um, and that would have given the Bank of England sort of a, a, a clear sign of the direction of travel before it makes its rates decision in three days' time. Um, obviously, now you don't have that signal from government. You don't know what, what the sort of debt trajectory is going to be mm -hmm. and, and what the needs are for interest rate rises. So uh, I, I guess that gives the Bank of England more license to, to raise rates by more than they might have done had, had they had a full statement beforehand. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more. 
So, to cyber security this morning, Rishi Sunak's first few days as Prime Minister risk being overshadowed by concerns about national security. The two tales are the alleged hacking of Liz Truss's phone by spies suspected of working for Russia, as revealed by the Mail on Sunday, and then the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, accidentally sharing a sensitive document with a parliamentary staff member. So, cue much debate about security measures that MPs are using or not using using and about what should be disclosed and when. Joining us now is Bloomberg's cybersecurity reporter Jordan Robertson to get to the bottom of all of this. Jordan, thanks so much for being with us. Labour wants an urgent investigation into whether Liz Truss's phone was hacked. The Mail on Sunday had this explosive report. What do we know about who hacked the phone, when, what sort of information they might have gotten hold of? Sure, thanks for having me. Uh, You know, this reported hacking of Liz Truss's phone when she was foreign secretary, has the potential to be a very substantial breach if this is if this news is corroborated. And the reason is, you know, the Office of Foreign Secretary, the foreign ministry of any country, is going to be near the top of lists of hacking targets, top hacking targets for any foreign government. Governments want to know what other governments are thinking, uh, especially if they're in conflict, like uh, like Russia is now with with Ukraine. So what we've what's been reported so far is that Liz Truss's phone was allegedly hacked uh, at some point prior to her her run for the the, the, the prime minister role uh, this summer, and that the the breach or the reported breach was discovered during that leadership run. So the implications are that at some point prior to that leadership run, uh, for some undetermined uh, amount of time. Uh, hackers allegedly working for Russian intelligence services were able to download uh, and listen into messages uh, on that device. And given the significance of that role in managing uh, relationships with foreign countries, uh, the, the you know that reported hack has the potential to be quite substantial indeed. So that's the Liz Truss situation. When it comes to Suella Braverman, she seems to have shared a document mistakenly by email with a parliamentary staff member. But I wonder, is it the human error that's the most worrying? Or is it the time that it took to report it? Or is it the response to it? What's the most troubling aspect? Well, you know, pairing these two incidents together, one one is really easy to see what is the potential damage and the potential impact with Liz Truss and the phone and foreign country potentially surveilling messages for potentially years on end. The other, uh, you know, based on what's been reported, uh, appears to have been, as, as uh, you know, uh, Mr. Sunak has, has said, a personal error, an error in judgment. And, you know, I mean, that's not a hack. It's not a... Um, it does appear to be a breach of protocol and and of the rules of the organization. Um, however, if that's a one-time thing uh, and that doesn't implicate, you know, potentially years of surveillance by a foreign government, you know, that's just a much more limited incident based on what's mm. been reported so far. Um, it it could potentially speak to judgment, a person's judgment about, uh, you know, sending sensitive information over personal email. Um that's a that's more of a judgment issue yeah. than a, kind of a, a an overarching security issue. Okay, Jordan, you've covered this sphere of cybersecurity in the U.S., D.C., San Francisco, now in London. Lots of discussion over the weekend and on Sky, Michael Gove, um, a minister, insisting that there are very robust protocols to ensure the security of government comms. Are they robust protocols? Or is that, I mean, is that the big question? You, you, you have to wonder, right? I right. mean, again, going back to Liz Truss's uh, reported hack of her phone, if that phone, which also had been reported, she had had the same number for a decade, 
um, but had to change it suddenly this summer as she was preparing her leadership run. You know, if that phone had been hacked for any meaningful amount of time, it, you have to wonder uh, what kind of oversight were the intelligence services, what kind of testing were those services doing, if any, of the device, um, you know, or or was the testing only done, you know, when she became kind of, you know, in a leader potential leadership role, uh, you know, for the uh, for the, the run for the prime minister job. So, uh, you know, it does make you wonder when and how is testing done on these personal devices. Or are these officials given government-secured phones? There are ways to secure devices, mm. uh, you know, for the most part against these attacks. They make them pretty unfun to use. Uh, you know, you'd have to do things like disable your location, mm. disable the phone's ability to do lots of the things we take for granted on these devices. Um, but that's a big question of when is that testing done? What is the monitoring of those devices? Um, you know, the foreign minister, of course, has re has responsibility for overseeing the spy services. So you would imagine that there would be a lot of oversight and a lot of monitoring of those devices, um, which leads you to believe you'd hope that those any potential breach would be discovered far before a leadership run. Questions I'm sure Labour would like to have answered in this urgent investigation. Mm -hmm. Jordan Robertson, thank you so much for joining us in the studio. Bloomberg's cybersecurity reporter, Jordan Robertson. Well, let's get a bit more detail from someone who knows uh, this sphere uh, very well here at home. Professor Anthony Gleese, who is a security and intelligence expert at the University of Buckingham. And you've written a piece for one of the newspapers here talking about how there is the need for an immediate judicial inquiry led by the High Court, in your view, to establish how this alleged phone hacking um of Liz Truss's phone took place. Professor Gleese, how serious do you think these breaches are, alleged breaches are, in your view? I think they are extremely serious. I think it's hard to think of a more serious breach of national security. Uh, quite, quite genuinely, I think it's harder to think of anything that uh, would be worse <coughs> than this breach of security. And we are told by security sources, uh, and it has not been denied by the government, that Liz Truss's personal mobile uh, phone was hacked over a period of time by a foreign power. Uh, and, and that has been established. Now, the government has done all, all it, it can to try and get, divert people from asking uh, for a judicial inquiry. Why judicial? Because our national security is involved. So it, this can't be a party political thing. Uh, people need to know that um, on the 2nd of October, um, newspapers published a report, <laughs> one of them with a comment from me, I have to say, on um, the fact that Liz Truss's phone number was found for sale on the internet for £6.49. So uh, we really have known there's been a problem with this phone since the 2nd of October in public. And of course, government has known about this for much longer. That is another reason why a judicial inquiry is needed. Mm. And um, I, I think, you know, we heard from Jordan uh, Robertson there that uh, ministers should be given secure phones and secure networks to use those phones. They are, of course, yes. aren't. So why did Liz Truss uh, not use this phone? Now, she says it was for sort of personal uh, personal 
calls. And But remember, this was a time not only when Liz Truss, she'd been International Trade Secretary, mm. Foreign Secretary, uh, she was keen to be Prime Minister. And she may well have thought that if GCHQ give ministers phones, that means the government could listen in to what she was saying to her friends mm. about wishing to be prime minister. So I think that's why, you know, this really does need to be cleared up. Professor Glees, you must feel like you're shouting at a brick wall. I remember a few years back, it became known Boris Johnson's phone number was publicly available for 15 years. From the financial perspective, we've seen fines in the hundreds of millions of dollars for senior bankers putting their details on WhatsApp. It's still happening. Why don't people listen? Well, <laughs> nobody's ever voted for a university professor. That's the truth. And, and unless you get elected MPs to take this issue seriously, I think governments will be able to get away from it. But your, your question um, indicates, I think, a deeper problem with the Boris Johnson government. And although Boris Johnson may have had good reason for not telling the public about Liz Truss's phone over the summer, because, of course, it would have caused her to resign immediately and would have knocked her out of the Conservative leadership. I do think there is a culture that, that, that started when Boris Johnson became Prime Minister of disregarding, of disrespecting national security issues. People will remember his own phone number, personal phone number, was on the internet and was, was still working when journalists tried it. He didn't attend meetings of National Security Council or COBRA at the beginning of the COVID crisis, for example. He didn't fly back, back to London. He had that meeting with Alexander Lebedev, the head of the KGB in London, an, a, a private meeting without officials being present in Italy. And I think, you know, I'm not saying it's a, it, it's a malicious thing on his part, a sinister thing on his part, but I think there was an arrogance there. You know, the, the spooks, they're, they're men in trilby hats and, and Macintoshes. And uh, really important people don't need to bother with them or their silly phones or whatever. And I think that, mm. that's what has spread to Suella Braverman. I think that is her uh, attitude to, you know, we, we, we lack yeah a laxness at the heart of government yeah. on national security. Anthony, look, um, smart people, I hope, listen to our programme, um, and I believe so. What would your advice be? If you could give a couple of bits of advice, you know, perhaps somebody out there high up in business who's got their phone, whatever smartphone they have, what would you say to them now if they were to think about their own security? I would say that people need to understand that when they are connected to the internet, to the World Wide Web, via their mobile phone. Everything that they say, in theory, can be described, uh, transcribed and uh, turned into um, hard evidence that can be used against them. Even an email, it is actually something written in indelible electronic ink. All these things leave a trace. Therefore, if you have anything important to say and you're not a member of the government and you, uh, uh, where you ought to be using the phones that GCHQ give ministers, which are secure, if you're not in government, 
then anything important has to be said face-to-face. That is the only way that you can be even partially assured of security. And, you know, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Earlier today, I sent a WhatsApp message intended for my brother about how to use Wi-Fi phones. It went off to a journalist. We all (laughs) do these things. And, uh, you know, we we shouldn't blame Liz Truss for making mistakes, but we do blame her for riding slipshod over national security when she was privy to the most important secrets this country had at a time when we were deeply involved in a war in our own backyard. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.